What's up, ladies and gentlemen? You're listening to New Hill Talks, a podcast for the members and regular attenders of New Hill Church. My name is Michael Meadows. I'm the lead pastor of New Hill Church. I'm Gary Fox, Associate Pastor of the Month, two months in a row now. And I'm Ben Major. I'm just hanging out. Gonna become a member yeah. this, this Sunday. Perspective member of the month. Yeah, <laughs> been baptized into the body, and we're here uh, to celebrate that this Sunday. So, how have you been? You Good. been? Yeah, I'm, I'm addressing you now because we know Gary's all right. So. I've been well. I've been well. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. No complaints. I feel like, in all seriousness, I feel like I'm healed. I really, I, I, I can walk around pretty good. Like, I walked around Walmart yesterday for the first time since probably. January or maybe early February. That was cool. Got some more preps. Do I know where I get? So you familiar? You saw some of my cans that I keep hidden away for the apocalypse. I go when I go to Walmart. First thing I do, get my cart. Hold on. Have you ever seen Big Daddy? I have. And he has him like smashing the cans on the ground. That's yeah. Gary and Christian in Walmart. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that? No, but you could do that. Microsoft. You've never seen Big Daddy? No. Huh? Adam Sandler and like Wait a he's got that little boy. It's not his his boy, but like he. I think I had or at least part. Yeah, I think I know. I know. I, was it like it was his kid? He didn't know about it or something. No. Or somehow he got this. Kid? It's his. Spoiler alert! If you want to <laughs> listen to this, fast forward twenty seconds. Uh, if you're planning on watching that show and haven't already, because something's wrong with you. Uh, um, so it's his his roommate's kid. His roommate's like taken off for Japan. Yeah. Um, at the beginning of the movie. And then this kid so. shows up, uh, CPS or whatever, had brought him uh, yeah. to the house, and he had like a note attached to him. And mm-hmm. uh, Scuba Steve was like the little character, you know, like um, action figure for the kid. And anyways, yeah, so that's something they do. They're in like Walmart, and, and, and Ben got it. He's guy. like Microsoft's down five points. And he throws <laughs> the can on the ground. And, I go, so yeah, I get my cart. I go all the way in the back, and Watt, every store is probably different, but I know where it is in Wadsworth. They have a clearance rack. Yeah, Giant Eagle does this too, yeah. Little dented cans. Buddy, I don't even care what it is. I grab it, stick it in my cart. Sometimes sometimes I've gotten 20 cans, sometimes it's one can. Don't care. Does it really matter what it is? Like, if there's no no food... Buddy, if you're hungry, I'll eat... (laughs) Buddy, if you're hungry, you'll eat Alpo, man. (laughs) What's that? Dog food, canned dog food. You're hungry enough. Any uh, near-death experiences for you guys in the past week? Anybody want to share anything? Well, okay. no. <laughs> uh, I had a little bonfire problem. And we'll leave it at that. Yeah, because uh, I, I, I would share it, but I don't want you all to For the think. sake of any legal obligation. <laughs> well, there's that. I wouldn't even think of that. I just don't want anybody to think too badly of me. Uh, I did something dumb. So are you officially moved? You're good? Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, we're in. You're in? You're in and you're out. In and out. Yeah, we paid an extra month. Uh, you're out of your one place, place, you're officially in there? Yeah, because oh. I had so much junk, I had to either trash or... Like, Naomi, so... And I don't blame her at all. Easy. She's like, this is your crap. Like, literally, like, junk. I kind of have a hoarding tendency a little bit beyond mm-hmm. just, like, traditional kind of prepping. But, like, if I see, like... If I see, like... Um, like, we have a lot of kids' stuff because of the daycare and stuff like that. So, if, like, there's a... You know, like, you have the little midget little chairs for kids... One of them was broke or whatever. She wanted me to throw it in the dumpster. I'm like, don't throw that in the dumpster. I could probably fix that. You know what I mean? And it's all jacked up. So I throw that in my barn. When you have a barn, you can do stuff like that. So not so like over five years or whatever, I've been I just got junk. And she's like, I'm not dealing with that. You you knew this whole time that we're going to be moving. So anyway, we 
paid and talked to the landlord, paid an extra month, and that whole and I was struggling. So it was hard. I needed that month because of my sciatic nerve pain. I was I couldn't do much, especially the beginning of the month. So anyway, so we're I got everything out of there. And the biggest thing would still be to like be precautious. Even though you're, like, healed? Yeah, I don't want to re-injure it or whatever. So, yeah. like, they told me no deadlifting, no deep squats, none of that junk anymore. That's over with. Yeah. So, and I get a stretch every night and stuff like that. Like, and Cool. But thank God. Like, a couple months, like, a month or two months ago or whatever it was, I remember when we did this podcast down here in the basement of the lounge. By the time I got down here, I was hurting. Like, I went up, paid for my cigar, and, like, I had to get out of the upstairs. I had to get down, because I knew this is where we were going to record. So, like, to go from that to this is, like, really a big deal. So, I thank God for that, because I thought I was going to be in a wheelchair or something. It was bad. Yeah, no doubt. Well, we're glad you're doing better. I uh, got in a race, a foot race, before service, barefoot. That should have been recorded. I think back on that. That should, we, I, we should have got Aubrey somebody to get the camera out or I should have just got my cell phone out something I can do it again this that time. was phenomenal who did you race who did I race Josh Lopez tell him say a little louder Josh Lopez <laughs> who won but I race? will say this believe me oh my goodness you should have beat him faster than that barefoot that's true that's true you were barefoot okay I take that back that's yeah so I take that back because you were barefoot fairness like nearly ripped my calluses the off the best <laughs> the best part a first time guest that just pulled in. Pulled in as they're on your marks. So she's getting out of the car just, and, and I'm looking and I'm going. And there went Jet Meadows. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm watching. So she's thinking, oh, cool, the youth group's out here doing doing races. You know what I mean? I'm thinking, <laughs> I get I'm, up to preach. I'm thinking in my head, this poor woman's going to go, what kind of church are we going to? Because now this guy who's barefoot out here and doesn't, you know, thank God for Michael's beard. Like that ages him a little bit, but if he didn't have the beard, he he would be like I would have looked like one of the see one of the, the youth, one not of the, the youth, youth members. Yeah, I would have looked like a youth member. <laughs> They're racing. Well, so, anyways, that was her first. But she told me after church, "See you next week." So she's coming. Yeah, back. I talked to her afterward and addressed the fact that she witnessed a race. So, um, also that day, we had church softball practice. Um, if anybody's interested in attending those games, those will be uh, Sundays throughout the summer here in Medina. Is it the same can, time and date? Um, it's I mean, not date. One o'clock. It's one o'clock for like the first half of the location. season, then it moves to two thirty time. We need to put that in the loop. I'll put that. Give me somebody. Give me that information. Yeah, we'll put I'll, that out. I'll put it so that people can know when. And anybody who out. wants to provide big league chew, like mm-hmm. the bubble gum, big league chew. Uh, original. Original. The grape one's disgusting. What about Red Man? <laughs> What's Red Man? That's Chaw. Chaw. Well, you down in West Virginia, you guys have snuff. Right? I'll just get one of those minty pouches. You guys know what snuff is, right? That's what they... I don't know. I think snuff is actually a thing, but I think they kind of call it all chewing tobacco stuff. But we're playing... I got the schedule. Um, and what's interesting, we're playing church. It's a church league. Um but we're playing all these teams, and it like mentions the names of these churches. Most people did their church name. We just did New Hill. But then there's like two teams. They're called the Extreme is one of them, and then the Orange Crushers. And I just can't figure out based off. So Orange, I'm thinking an Orange Church here in Medina, but I can't think of an Orange like who's branded Orange in town. Um, I have no 
idea. Is that Northside? They're green. They're green? Your son goes to I, the school. I think they incorporate orange, though. Man, I, anyway, I can't figure it out, and it's neither here nor there. What is here, uh, actually, it's no longer here, the ball I crushed out of practice. Yeah. I had smashed one. Smashed one. And uh, Mrs. Atsma told me to run the bases because we were just trying to, you know, stretch our legs out and make the, the people in the field play the ball. And I was like, Carrie, I'm not, I'm like, I'm not going to run. And then it hit the road. Uh, really? Which isn't too far off of the line because there's no fence. So it's like you can't really tell if it's an official home run. But that hit the road, and I looked back at it, and I'm like, no, I'm definitely not running. It, like, hit it and bounced, and uh, wow. it felt good to Was Aubrey there? Did she see one. That? She didn't. <laughs> you need so to mad. Aubrey, watch this. So mad. Bam! But you can find it on ESPN in my head. Um, yeah. So, anyways, that was a good time. All right. If you're wondering what we're going to talk about today, besides uh, how we're feeling in uh, softball and, and whatnot, we're going to be doing our recap of uh, the sermon, just talking about things that – uh, maybe were uh, not talked about or we didn't dive uh, deeply into them, and I'm going to let Pastor Gary take over on that. If um, you want to hear uh, what else we're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about um, what, Pastor Gary? We're going to talk about the issue of, uh, I guess, immigration in general, and then the border wall. Border wall, like the, F, the you know, discuss whether or not. A border wall is an ethical thing. Is it a biblical thing? How should Christians feel about it? And the reason why I talk about that this week is that on, I think, Monday, the government announced that they're going to stop, they're halting any f- further development of what President Trump had already started. So, Is it a half-built wall at this point? I think out of 10 billion. <laughs> no, no. I mean, they, they got a lot. All right, done. boys, down here. <laughs> I think they've spent six of the ten billion, whatever the number was, in like so, so over 60, half of it. Sixty percent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but we're gonna start out with the first part, and uh, Gary, I don't know. Uh, if you I was just gonna ask or... you: Is there anything that you would thought about when you were putting your message together? Was there anything you were like, and I don't think I can fit that in here, but it is kind of cool or interesting side note or? Yeah, I mean, the main thing um, driven home. Um, on Sunday was the purpose of what Peter was saying. He was taking the time to point them to Jesus. They were mocking um, what was going on in Acts chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 13, uh, where we see the, the Spirit poured out uh, to the believers in the upper room. Uh, they start prophesying and um, speaking in tongues. And it says that everybody had heard in their own native language, which is tongue, um, some were amazed. Uh, and perplexed, saying, "What does this mean?" Now there's mocking, so they are filled with new wine. So they're just drunk, is you know what these guys were saying. But Peter, he stands up, and there's a lot. Like this is the first sermon we get in the Acts of the Apostles, and it's a good one. I mean, there's a lot here, man. For a first sermon, uh, a guy with no experience of preaching. Yeah. Um, and what's really cool was that, and I said this in the message, uh, he exegetes. Old Testament scripture. Mm-hmm. So, like, you'll hear pastors um, say, This is what this means. Um, not like, I think this is what this means. Like, sometimes we got to break it down. And again, that goes with the study of connecting the dots from maybe um, Paul's letter in Ephesians to an Old Testament prophecy or to um, a parallel passage um, that Peter might write that is um, expounding on what Paul said. Because all of it is is working together for the same thing, right? God is 
even though there's multiple human authors, it's all by the inspiration of the Spirit. Uh, we understand that through Scripture. Right. So it's all driving home um, God's redemptive plan. Um, but he says this, and I thought it was really cool. Um, he straight up says, I'm, I'm scrolling in my, on my phone to find it. Yeah, verse 29. After quoting David, he says, Brothers, I may say to you with uh, confidence, so he's sure of this, about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, um, and his tomb is with us to this day. And then he begins being there for a prophet and knowing that God had sworn an oath with him. So he goes on to say exactly what that passage meant, which I thought was great because you like look at it and and something that the audience was he was addressing would have known this psalm and known it well. They would have known about the prophet Joel. Everything that they were affirming, they were still missing. So Peter's driving home that everything that they had read in the Old Testament was pointing them to this Messiah whose spirit had just been poured out on his people, and they're mocking it when they should have been embracing it. Um, so they had, they had missed it. Um, one of the biggest things I think that was not expounded on a lot or as deeply as it could have been, um, which really would take probably a few weeks, um, was the prophecy there in verses 17 through 21. Oh, yeah. Um, because at least... My view, and, and Pastor Gary, I think you agree, is some of that had been fulfilled. Um, you know, like talking about pouring out his flesh or spirit on all flesh, sons and daughters prophesying, um, so on and so it's forth. It's almost like like a snapshot of the church age. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like in, in a few verses there, this is the big picture. So not all of it had, like it, that, that day, you know, the blood didn't, or the moon didn't turn to blood that day. But it was like he's describing that, that now that we're in this last day, which a lot of people think last days means like, you know, 666 and all that. Of course, that's part of it. But that the last days began on, on Pentecost. So we're in the last days. We were in them 250 years ago and 1,000 years ago and so forth. But it kind of, it like progresses from one, you know, the beginning of the coming of the Spirit and then towards the end there when he's talking about the uh, day of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. I, and to me, like in my studies and stuff, which, I mean, you can get a bunch of different commentaries and maybe you all have some at home and you read it to go along with the text that, that we have. The one I would recommend is uh, Christ-Centered Exposition. They do a great job of whatever book it is. Obviously, it's, it's to point people to Jesus through it. And then they have for every book of the Bible. I think, I don't think they're done with this series because... Even the book of Acts is like an entire book itself in the commentary. Some of them you get in the Old Testament prophets, and they're smaller chapters because right. the book is shorter. But even when we were going through Esther, I couldn't find they had not yet released hmm. that one for their commentary, which I think I was only a few months early, so it is what it is. But some of them will just glance over it. Not that it's not important, but just like in you know a yeah. sermon, you know, like we're we're hitting home a few things, and their whole point is to bring out Christ um, and all Here's how I describe books. like you could do a study on the state of Montana, right? So you can give a lecture on the state of, state of Montana. So if you're going to talk about the state of Montana, you're going to hit the high points that is the most pressing to give you the main, the main things you need to know about the state of Montana. But then you could go and you're going to look at a certain county in Montana. And now you're getting close. You're not saying anything contradictory 
it's not like a different issue. It's just more narrow. And then you could go to a city in, in that county and do a, do a lecture on that city. And then you could go to like one of the parks in that city. You know, you can keep, you can keep going more and more specific and preaching is like that too, especially with a large passage of scripture like this. This is kind of a, so when you're we're preaching a larger, it depends on what you're going to hit on. So a passage like this, you could do two or three sermons on this passage and you're getting more and more like, you know, you're hitting on different aspects of the same topic. Right. Like the, the one thing that stood out, you, I mean, you could do a whole message on um, like jump down to verse 22 and 23 where he talks about Jesus, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. In that one verse there, just verse 23, you've got the probably, I would say, the greatest of all mysteries, maybe outside of the Trinity, this idea that God is in full control of what's going on. And yet you, pointing at these people who were either directly or indirectly involved in the crucifixion of Christ, you did this. But it was part of God's definite, and how does it say in ESV? For, uh, is for, is according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. So you did all of this. You're responsible. He says you did this. And you were wicked for doing this. But at the same time, it was part of the definite plan and the foreknowledge of God. So that's a mystery. And you could camp on that one point there for an, at least one one message on how, you know, sometimes like you say, well, how does that work? You know, were these guys forced to do that? No, not, not in the way you would think of commonly as forced. They did what they did because they wanted to do what they did. Yeah. Like, a lot it of, wasn't like... A lot of the commentaries brought that out, too, that, like, Jesus' blood's on our hands, too. If he's taking the sin of his people, then, like, we have to deal with the fact that, like, his crucifixion, it was us crucifying him as well. But on so, the other hand, though, was there any chance of that not happening? No, not no. at all. No. There was no possibility that Christ was not going to be delivered up to their hands. That's what's interesting. Have you ever heard people say... Um, Jesus didn't have to do that. Like, he could have just stopped if he wanted to. I'm like, eh, no. Sort of, yes well, or no. It depends right. on what you mean by that. Right. If it wasn't part of the plan, then it would have stopped. Right. Because nothing happens outside of the plan of God, but that doesn't make it not evil. So, so you get to the point where, what does that mean? And we were just talking about this as pastors. Like, how do you reconcile all this? Um, there comes a point where you have to recognize God is infinite you're finite and fallen so not only are you finite but you're fallen finite and your brain and my brain and the whole collective brain of every human that's ever lived is it near enough the capacity the brain power is it near enough to comprehend this stuff mm -hmm. at some point and some higher level of knowledge that only not even angels can comprehend this only god has the if you will, the brain capacity, the, the, the ability to, to process these things. So as Christians, we just say yes to that. You say, well, how? We're not sure. We just know it's there. Well, he told and, us it's and there. scriptures tell us that there are the unsearchable things. Yeah, right? there are like, hidden, the, things, the hidden there things. There are things that are for God to know, and there are things for us to know. Right. Um, 
which has always been a problem. We always want to try and place ourselves in the position of God. So, th- I mean, that's one thing that I've always said uh, when it came down to, like, uh, Reformed theology and, and understanding that God chose his people before the foundation of the world, before they'd done either good or bad. He chose his people. And, you know, people, like, look at you, like, cockeyed. Because we think and, we choose God. Well, and then, but then it goes into, I just throw out the question, or at least, like, the issue is, like, at the very least, so you're the person, um, hypothetical person I'm talking about, um, or people, when they hear that and they get cockeyed, you have to at least, you either deal with that or you deal with the fact that God allowed people to be created knowing that they wouldn't choose him and therefore right. are going to spend eternity in hell. So because still, God's yeah. still in control. Yeah, but you can't get out of this. Right. The only, the only I'll say logical, not everything that's logical is true. Logical just means that there, there's no, like there's no, like it may end in a faulty conclusion, but the process that you got to that, like you're, it, the, the only the only way to see it, that's it's not biblical, they're not getting this from the Bible, but it's the idea that God doesn't know the future. It's called open theism. And that's, a, that's an attempt by some Christians to, I say that, I use that word loosely, Christian, um, to get God off the hook. But isn't that weird? In the sense that, like, God already called the shot for the end. Not I don't like, even know. Not like what he thinks is going to happen. They basically would say. Telling us what's going to happen. Because they'll, they'll say, no, 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 God's extremely brilliant, right? He's very smart. Doesn't know the future. But he is an amazing guesser. So he can look and basically project where he sees this going. Now, I do believe there's a sense it can't be applied to God. A sense of prophecy within people when you can look and you can say like history is going to repeat itself if you do A, B, and C. Yes, that's basically what they think. Right. But God is bigger than us. But God can't. He's he's much better at it than us. But but the bottom line is that there's no way for God to know these things. Which, you you don't get that. Like, (laughs) the Bible tells us the exact opposite. So not only are you not getting it from the Bible, you're flat out contradicting the Bible. It's a different religion. Well, that's just... What we do as people trying to um, make things make sense or fit into a more comfortable position. But the thing is, is like, if scripture isn't stretching you, we're probably not reading it right. And I mean, I believe it. Humbling you. you. Yeah, and, and we don't get to that point. Yeah, humbling. That's great. Um, pastors aren't beyond that point. Um, any theologian that's gone before us um, never got to that point where it was just like, I'm not still being stretched and humbled and challenged by scripture. Um, we are students of the word. Nothing was more horrible than all of human history. I mean, he talks about, um, you, 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 I mean, they crucified the Lord of glory. I mean, you know, I mean, they, they did this. That is the worst thing you could do. And it was part of the plan of God. So what we take from that, as hard as this is to hear, sometimes if you're out in the, like if you're out, like let's say you're shipwrecked and you're going to drown and somehow you find your you get your hand on a cold, hard, maybe even some way sharp rock out in the middle of the ocean, sticking up, jagged. It's cold. It's not. It's not cozy, buddy. You will be so thankful for that rock, even though it's not plush and cozy and fuzzy. Doctrines like this, I'm not saying it's cozy and comfortable, but. When you're when you are in hell, like not literally, but your life has become hell. Something terrible is happening. What I'm about to tell you is that type of rock, and that is this: 
that no matter what terrible thing has happened, God had a plan for it or it wouldn't have happened. And you may never know the reason for why this person died or why this uh, rape or abuse or whatever it happened. But there, God allows these things to transpire fully aware. Okay, God's not up there going, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me try to fix this now that it's happened. Let me, no, no. This was part of the plan that evil on this day would happen so that, and then good is going to come out of it. That's a rock. Because here's the alternative. There was no reason for it. There's no meaning of life. There's no meaning to any of this crap. Now, how does that make you feel? If you're drowning and you have no idea, you don't have any understanding of why or what, you know, what was the point of that? That to me, that, I mean, that, that would drive you, in fact, any even a secular psychologist would say that it is important for people to find meaning in, in life and what's going on. And that includes the good and right. the bad. Yeah. So, um, just kind of transitioning around because there's a lot to talk about with mm -hmm. this and then our next topic. But um, verse 17 was good. I mean, just going back into, you know, those those prophecies. I'm, I'm just reading over it as, as you're talking and stuff. Um, it just keeps popping out to me in the last days. So, again, we're in the last days. Um, but, man, I just keep coming back to this. It's I think I'm, I got the wording right, the almost, not yet. Yeah. So yes. we're, we're getting almost. Like, we're in the last days, but not all of this has been fulfilled. Right. Another thing that um, you could preach on for a while is verse 14, but Peter standing with the 11. Who were the 11? They were the other chosen apostles. So there's 12 of them, Peter, and then the other 11, Matthias included. So, um, Okay. I was saving that one for you today. <laughs> I'm not convinced that he was or wasn't. I'm not 100% convinced was or he wasn't. wasn't. Can you tell him why you're maybe feeling like maybe he could be? After well, our discussion he on says Sunday, he's, an 11. he's part of the eleven. He is counted. There's eleven. But we even talked about and that. Paul word. wasn't there, so it couldn't have been. Paul was not part of that eleven. Plus, Peter would have been twelve. Right. So let's talk about that for a second, and then we'll move on to the we're talking about Matthias, the, the border wall. Yeah, we're talking about Matthias. If you don't know what we're talking about, you can go back and listen to um, the message a couple weeks ago, um, ending chapter one, when they chose. Um, Matthias to replace Judas. Um, apostles. So let's explain this a little bit because yeah. we're talking about who was the 12th, like the proper replacement for Judas. Right. But all. James, Jesus' brother, is not counted as the 12, but he's right. called an apostle. Yep. Um, there were other Apollos, ones. was he an apostle? I think so. Well, um, we should have done my homework on this. I think Barnabas was. I'm having a heck of a time lighting this, this match, by the way. If you hear this, this is me trying to light a match. Just so you know, I freeze up when I do it. If you ever watch me, I get I get stuck. It's like I can't strike it because I know that these ones stink. And I'll do light, it light even as match, I'm talking you? about it. Watch this, though. I like You all just hold on. We're going to get something important here. <laughs> I freeze up. We're not hitting like pause on this. I'm sticking it. There. Look at that guy. So anyways, so you've got these apostles. So what are we talking about when we say a replacement? Does it even matter... Um, I know that you see scripturally like why 12 would matter if you're talking about uh, the 12 tribes were represented by the 12 apostles. Uh, and then you would go into to saying that that has to do with the 12 foundations in heaven, right? Right, in Revelation, yeah. So um, can you explain that a little bit to why that view matters for you? And, and let me say this, as Pastor Gary 
prepares to explain and briefly, please, uh, yeah, so we yeah. can move on in a timely manner. But um, some people see that as symbolic, so it's not as significant. Uh, but the reason uh, we're talking about these things and, and jokingly giving each other a tough time, if you believe that the 12 foundations are represented by an apostle, each of them an apostle, then it would matter who the 12th one was because that person's going to be doing what? Just, like ruling. Right. So it's not just like you're like, oh, well, Matthias was better than Paul or Paul was right. better than Matthias. That's not the discussion here. And we do understand that there were other apostles, um, but there's this office um, right. particularly here within the 12. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been important for the apostles to replace him uh, mm -hmm. the way that they did. They knew that there needed to be a 12th. Um, so anyways, that being said, we can move on to a discussion about the border wall. Yeah, man. What do you guys think about a border wall where we are saying, you people stay over there, we'll stay over here, and if you want to come here, we'll think about it, we'll consider it, but you don't get to just come over here. Yeah, so me personally, I don't think that biblically um, we can say right or wrong. There's a difference. We can say that it's wrong if there's a law in place. Um, especially as Christians, we're told, you know, law and order matters. We talked about that last week. Right. So if you're a Christian and you're, there may be circumstances where you need to flee, right? Like your like life is in danger and, you know, it's something you just have to do. I get that. Totally get it. Um, me, uh, I was just telling Pastor Gary this. I would rather, uh, you're creating jobs no matter what. You're either creating jobs to, to build the wall, which is creating jobs, right? People are working on actually building this wall. It doesn't just go up overnight. Um, or you could put military in place along the border, um, use that money. What, $10 billion? I think. Dollars I, yeah. or whatever. And then have, have the military control it. So that's kind of where I stand. I'm like, okay, if we want to control the border, then um, I don't think it's unethical or unbiblical to, to guard your borders. I don't think that that's wrong. Um, I'm okay with people coming in. Uh, I know that you've got a point to make uh, about that, why they're coming in or whatever, but I don't have a problem with or without. Right. I know it sounds like I'm riding the fence, but like biblically, I can't like look at it. Like I'm not going to be one of those faulty Christians that says, oh, Nehemiah built a wall, so we got to build a wall. That's different. It was totally different there. Um, talking about sort of. So there's similarities and differences. If, if America was under attack. Had, yeah, under attack or like it hindered worship, yeah, then like build a wall. Like there may be a time where down the road our property at New Hill becomes a compound. Like like literally like uh -huh. that's, the, that's the place where we're worshiping. You just got to be excited. <laughs> Psych. <laughs> uh, but, Could I be in charge of building the but, wall? But a lot of what happened with Nehemiah was people were coming in and attacking them and keeping them from worshiping mm -hmm. their God. Right. So it had to do with worship, not simply just keeping people out. Um, so, like, I, I just don't want to make that argument, like, well, Nehemiah built a wall, so let's build Trump's wall. Kind of thing. So when we're talking about a topic like this, to get to the point to the question of whether or not... Because there are there's some evangelicals that think it, the whole, that's just terrible. Um, the Bible the Bible talks a lot about immigration like a ton um, in Leviticus 19 33-34 he's talking to the children of Israel when a stranger sojourns with you 
or in your land, you shall do no harm to him. You, I got to sneeze. Bless you. Don't edit that out. I sneeze like a kitten. Um, you do. Oh, my goodness. I'm this big, giant, very masculine, ruggedly handsome man, <laughs> and I sneeze like a kitten. So let me start again. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. I mean, there's just passage after passage. Uh, Exodus 22, verse 21. You shall not wrong a sojourner or, or oppress him, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. Next chapter, Exodus 23, verse 9. You shall not oppress a sojourner. You know the heart of a sojourner, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. And there are other verses, right? So, God's not telling them, do not let sojourners come into your land. He's saying when they come, the presumption is they'll. you're going to have immigrants, you're going to have visitors, you're going to have people coming. When they come, you treat them like everyone else. You don't you don't you don't you don't put them in you don't make them slaves. You don't treat them like second class. And on the other hand of that, you treat them the same way, meaning they have to obey the laws like you people do. So it goes both ways. You don't treat them bad, but you don't treat them extra good. You don't give them extra rights or anything like that. You treat them just like everyone else. So the idea of immigration is not sinful, first of all. It's a human right that if you want to live somewhere, if you have the means and the ability to get there, right? You don't have a right to demand, hey, come pick me up. But if you can get yourself there, so you want to go live in the land of Egypt, you want to go live here, there, wherever, and you go and you abide by their laws, you abide by their rules and so forth, There's, you have a right to do that. You have a right to do that, and you have a right as an immigrant, as a sojourner, to be protected by the laws just like everyone else does, right? So that's the first brick to lay here, that immigration is a right under those circumstances. The, the immigrant is paying his own way. When he gets there, he's paying his own way while he's living there. In other words, he's, he's pulling his own weight. He's, he's living and he has the right to be protected by the law. Okay. Notice he's still recognized though as a sojourner. That doesn't mean that he's that he's now a citizen, but he is he, you know, he's not to be mistreated. Now hold on. Can we pause here real quick? Yes, because that's a mouthful. Yeah. And here in Northeast Ohio, you'll hear stories of this all the time, um, especially folks that have come from Italy. Um, met a lot of Ukrainian people. Um, you know, brother Mark. He's not here with us today, but. You know, they went over as missionaries to Ukraine, but like there's a Ukrainian village mm -hmm. up in up in Cleveland. Um, trying to think of a few other groups. Irish. I've met a lot of Irish people. Chinese. Um, Chinese folks. I mean, how did Pastor Simon get here? Yeah, uh, not from China. Not from China, but his family. <laughs> Singapore. Was his dad or was his somebody immigrated here? 
Um, not his dad. His dad's wife. Not his dad. I mean, his mom. No, no, no. I, I know. She's I'm, from there, though, isn't she? Yeah. I'm, so I'm, I'm giving everybody a little bit of history. So uh, about Simon. Yeah. So his, his mom is from Singapore. Um, and I think she lived there as a kid. So, yeah. Like she's, so her parents came over. I don't think his parents directly did. So he's a third. Would it be third generation immigrant? Because parents would be first. Um, she anyway. wasn't born there? I thought she... I don't know. Well, no, his mom was. That's what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is... And she oh, did immigrate. So then he'd be second generation. Yeah. Even yeah. even though she's not... She wasn't the adult coming over. Yeah, she's still first generation. Yeah, she was just a child. My mother and grandparents came here on a boat from Austria in 1952. See? So. Okay. So... And what I'm going to say, my point to this, when you hear it here in Ohio, you can ask the story. So you're talking about like the 1900s, um, usually mid... Um, is, is a lot of what was going on. Um, you'll hear stories of them coming over seeking better opportunity. And the reoccurring theme is that they came here, got a job, and worked harder than any of us will in our life. Oh. I mean, they worked hard. Yeah. Now, oh, yeah. That, I'm not talking about, like, any specific group of people coming over here and being lazy. Like, no, um, we'll get like, to that. Like those from the South are lazy people. Um, those from the east are the hardworking, yeah. or they're the lazy ones in the south are the hard workers. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but when we're talking about immigration, especially biblically, is they're abiding the law. They're, they're following the law. Yeah, law they're order. treated like everyone else. Like, that's what God says. And they're paying their way and working right. their way. So, I'm just I'm trying to yes, lay that, that brick, too. Because 100%. 100, because it's so important. These are difficult issues. As Christians, we need to. So, in theory, Mexicans ought to be able to come here, and Americans ought to be able to go there, right? And Canadians, and which is an interesting and, discussion. And, and what else going there? You can talk about crazy laws. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Find yourself illegally in Mexico. No, you don't. Not want to end up in a Mexican prison ever, anywhere, at any point. <laughs> Stay out of their jails. Well, that's an interesting contrast to what would happen. We went there versus if, if people come here. But it is an interesting contrast the way it's treated. Oh yeah, there's a reason why we're not flooding to get out of here to go there, yeah. and they're 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 flooding to get. Which come is interesting because we were just talking about this, and we won't talk about everything. I mean, supposedly we're the I'll most racist work. nation in the history of the world. But they have all these beautiful people. land and everything too. Like that's a whole nother topic. Like we vacation there. Cause that's a whole there. nother topic. That's a the reason why that nation. You remember President Trump got in all kinds of trouble because he referred to some of these countries as blank hole countries. It's not because the people are blank. It's because their governments are so corrupt that you've got paradise and you can't you can't thrive in paradise. You're squ- you're in squalor. When I was in El Salvador, I did mission work in El Salvador. I'm telling you that El Salvador, the landscape, just the looking at it. It's like a glimpse of heaven. It's like a glimpse of the Garden of Eden. Beautiful. I mean, and they're so poor. It's not because they don't have resources. It's misappropriation of them. It's because of the, yeah, it's, yes. And it's because of the corruption. So, anyway, so back up. So, the initial brick is that there is nothing sinful about Mexicans wanting to come here. Or, to, or anyone. Yeah. But we're talking about the border wall. Right. Yeah, just in general. So this is not a thing of like, we have a God-given right. Now, now I'm going to get to, there are circumstances where you would have a right. We talked about it with Nehemiah to put up a wall, like if you're at war and so forth. But just in general, immigration is a right 
and the immigrant has rights to be uh, treated equitably, like to be treated like everyone else. Now, there are differences that we need to talk about, that cultural differences in their day back in Exodus and Leviticus and in that time and now, okay? One big difference is that the citizens of the nation of Israel did very little, if ever, any voting. They, there was no democracy. So the fact that the immigrant wasn't the sojourner wasn't going to come in and vote, okay, that was not a problem because no one else was voting either. It was a theocracy. Okay, later on they had a king, okay? That's a that's a significant difference, okay? How the government is structured and so forth is significantly different. So you gotta remember that. The other thing they didn't have going on back then that we have going on right now is welfare. Public and not just food stamps, public accommodations. Okay, if you wanted a road, you and your neighbors made a road. There may have been some um, monies coming from the treasuries and so forth to, to do some of that stuff. Very little. There, and, and, so, and, and there was no public schools. There was no public health care. There was no public anything any of that kind of stuff. And there sure as heck was no food stamps, uh, WIC, uh, child care, none of that, right? So when the sojourner came, notice what God does not tell the people of Israel, pay their way. He doesn't say, uh, uh, take care of them, put them on some kind of program. He doesn't say that. They are on their own, just like you, <laughs> you people are on your own. Because not only did the sojourners not have welfare, neither, neither did the children of Israel. So if they're going to come in and abide by the laws, just like you have to, they have to, and just like you can't be enslaved, they can't be enslaved. You treat them as equals, right? That's not going on now. Not in America. We have welfare and we've got voting that goes on. The trouble and the reason why, the, the reason why I'm going to argue that it is ethical in our context to keep out immigrants that we don't want, okay, that, sound, that may sound harsh to some people, say no to some, to control the process, if you're even going to have a process, is because of this issue of voting. Because if you let them all in and then don't let them vote, now you're treating them unequally. I mean, I'm saying not visitors, not tourists. I'm talking about people, residents, people living here, people paying taxes here at the cash register, uh, paying income tax, all this stuff. This is this matters. That you're going to let them all in here. Now you've got a, now you've got two classes of people living here. Now we got a problem, okay? And then the second thing is the welfare issue. Well, I was raised to believe and taught, and I am convinced that money does not grow on trees. And so when you've got people coming here, and then you're going to allow them to you know, to get either on some form of welfare and even public schools is a form of that, you're going to bankrupt your country. There's not enough money to do all this. Are you guys tracking with me? Like, does that, are you following my logic here? Absolutely. The issue isn't, it's, it's all, it boils down to this. You can either be a welfare state 
and regulate your immigration or have open borders, which I don't have a problem with, so long as you get rid of the welfare. And well, so I think, go ahead, Ben. Oh, no, you. So I, I would say, what was the problem that you had said about El Salvador, too? It, it came down to a misappropriation of funds because the people that were ruling had everything the yes. that lived there. Oh, for sure. And this will lead to another misappropriation of funds. And it, 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 I'm not saying that we turn into another country, but the balances start tipping in that direction, which, which is not ultimately good for anybody. And I, I mean, I think an issue, I mean, what you're saying is right, so I'm not disagreeing. I'm saying there's a real issue with how we're using funds anyways here. Because, I mean, you look at right now, like what we're dealing with, um, people not going back to work. I saw um, oh, on a Medina yeah. site that Chipotle uh, was online order only because they didn't have enough uh, Taco Bell in Wadsworth is closed. And it's not because there's not people. No. It's because, no. It's because in this, this pandemic... People are able to collect, and don't, don't hate the player, hate the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it is literally how we're setting very ourselves up. Very stupid leadership. Very stupid. Believe me, they're and stupid. It, and this isn't like the past year has you know amplified things, but this has been going on for years. Republican and Democratic leaders who were like not fixing the system, and and look, hey, <laughs> this is not my expertise. Well, I don't I'll have give a, you I don't, an example. Well, I don't have a lot of like correction or like ways to go about it. But it is very crazy um, how many handouts. And I'll just I'll give you my opinion. Um, a guy who was raised in West Virginia, um, I'll put my hand to the plow and I'll work. I was told to work for what you get, right? And if you don't work, you don't get. And my dad always told me that if you can't work for whatever reason, I'd love to help like take care yeah. of you. I'd love to have like a, a big pot where we could you know throw some money in, like taxes, obviously. That would help take care of things like that. I don't want to work on the road. I'm cool with paying taxes so that people take care of the road. But when everything is just free, then you lose the sense of immigration that you saw that made America great uh, back in the day. When when you know folks from Mexico and Italy and um, from well, all over the world came here to this place, and that's why it's a melting pot, it's right? Opportunity. It is opportunity, and it wasn't opportunity it wasn't to, a guarantee. to sit around, and it wasn't a guarantee. It was an opportunity. And people were working really hard, and Americans, more than anything, need to hear that right now because of the system we have. Like, get up and work. Like, if we want to see this thing turn around, especially after this COVID year, um, then we got to get up and work. You know what I mean? Yes. Oh, my goodness. So the reason we're, again, where we're talking about this is because... Former Vice President Joe Biden has got has got the government stopping the border wall, and 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 now we've got a regime in there that wants to open these borders up, and and we can discuss why, but I believe it's a major mistake. It's not in the interest of the American people um, to do this because of those very reasons. Because if you're going to allow these people in here, how can they not vote if you're going to tax them? What was the American Revolution about? Taxation without representation. Taxation without representation. It's not moral. And I agree with that point. That is a valid point. How can you do this to them, right? Well, you, you made it super interesting. Sorry, don't, no. for, don't forget number two. Something I hadn't considered is you're treating them second class if they're coming over here and paying in the taxes anyways, even at registers, but not getting a say in things. Yeah. I thought that... I don't know about you, Ben, but like I hadn't thought about it like that. Um, personally, like, all right, you're coming and you're paying. And I'll tell you, I know some folks in um, Puerto Rico 
who feel like they're treated as second class as far as like what they get to say in and what they get to do when they're paying in. I, and I'm, we don't need to get into that right no, now. No, no, that's a but, good. But no, I mean, I hadn't thought about it until you said that. I'm like, if, if I'm paying into something, I like at least want to like a voice to be heard. Right. Because um, a lot of our voting, too, isn't making the decision as Americans. But we're like we're putting people in place that are making these decisions. And that was this issue was not a problem in the days of the Bible, because everybody was taxed, the sojourner was taxed, right. but nobody voted. Right. So you know what I'm saying? It wasn't like they were being right disenfranchised. That's, that's it was a different. It was a different system. Yeah. And so when you so as Christians, and and notice that we're to love them, we're not to oppress them. So. You know, if they're here, we are to treat them well. Now, that doesn't mean you don't call the police on them. Although, with the regime now, I don't know if ICE would do any. I don't know what what the heck's going on. Um, but the, but these are these are issues that Christians and churches, like churches, I should say, especially big mega churches, the corporate church structure, they don't want to, they don't want to talk about this. They don't want to talk about this. But it's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's all over the Bible, this issue of yeah. immigrants, what do we do with them? And now, how do we apply this to our day? Because we're, it's not apples to apples. Right. I would say as, as Christians, it's my opinion, because um, I don't think there's real evidence of like right or wrong. If you've got someone, maybe they're your neighbor, and they're here, um, I'll say illegally, right? They've, they've not taken citizenship they're or whatever. undocumented. Yeah. I would I would encourage them to begin the processes and steps of becoming a citizen, like and and, yes. and help them. I mean, I, I actually think that would be your duty if you know that that's going on. Uh, again, if they're your neighbor and you're like, oh, I don't know how to talk to them, like then try and build that relationship because then you're dealing with the scripture that says love your neighbor. And I think part of loving them is making sure that they're not getting deported or you know taken out of their home where they've been established maybe for some time. Um, you see this a lot. I think it's really important to. To begin to take the steps, build those relationships, and help them walk through the process of becoming citizens so that, God forbid, someone does call on them and they're just uprooted from where they're at. I mean, that's horrible. It, the whole thing is so screwed up. It's so screwed up. And the Mexicans, immigrants, we're talking about Mexicans because this is the problem. This is the issue coming. It's from the southern border. Like, they're the pawns. They're the ones that get booted around. Nobody wants to do anything with them, right? We don't want to make them legal. We don't want to kick them out. So they're in the shadows. They're they're paying taxes. They're not. Rep- they're not. They don't get a vote, and everyone else does. It's, the whole thing is stupid. It's mm-hmm. it, listen. I get a kick out of Donald Trump. I, I just the way he talks. Even if you don't agree with him, like I just love the way he talks when he talks about and, when, and when, especially when he was campaigning in 2015, 16, when he would talk about our leaders are so stupid. He was like just so blunt about it, but it's either that or they're wicked, and you pick. But no wise, good person would allow this to go on. You can't. What we're doing, and so we, we, these people are coming here because they are living in chaos, and I get it. And I think that if we really want cared about Mexicans. And that's what they are. They're citizens of Mexico. We would be, we would be dealing with the nation of Mexico, and telling them what are you doing? Why are people flocking out of your country the fastest they can? 
I mean, there, and there's lots of other issues, too, when you're dealing with child trafficking, drug trafficking, drug mules, all that stuff, coyotes, all that stuff is going on. Why? What do you? What is going on in your country, Mexico? That this is that's where that's where if you're compassionate, you put the pressure on them and say we're building this wall, and you people, if you want more open borders and more immigration, it's fine, but there's no reason why you're not so prosperous that your people, there is no reason, not one good reason, why Mexico doesn't thrive. I mean thrive. They've got the Gulf. They've got the, the Pacific Ocean. They've got mountains. They've got uh, very fertile land. It, there's no reason. It's the corruption and the sinfulness of their government. That's that's the problem. We're not the problem. They're the problem. And so we need to say that. But so it's a tough. I mean, it's very. It's a tough issue. But I'm all for a wall unless you all want to get rid of welfare. If you want to get rid of welfare, that say we don't need a wall. Bring them on. Who cares? They're on their own. Like mm -hmm. I'm on my own, but um, not like this. Not like this. We and this system this. just needs fixed, anyways. And I'm not taking away from from that at all. But really, this is amplified even here in America, where people are, are not working. Like the fact that, like, oh man, like a Chipotle, you can only do online ordering, dude, because when, they don't when have this enough all people. Started this That's nonsense crazy. of this alleged. I guess technically it's a pandemic, but whatever. So. You guys know my, most of you know my story. We had to lay, we, at that time we had, I think we had 12 employees full time. And like overnight, because of DeWine, we, we had to, we, we got a pandemic license, but we, they radically restricted our, um, our enrollment. And then of course everybody else has to stay home. So basically we were taking care of like, Cop kids, nurses kids, people that had to go to work or whatever, right? So we laid off nine of the 12. And they had to go on unemployment. And this is before a lot of this stuff got passed through Congress. So within a week, not even a week, maybe three or four days, every single person that I laid off was suddenly making much more money than the people we kept on. And now I've got to look at these people. And that's not... Now imagine you're the one that got kept on. That, but that's not that you were paying them bad. No! Right. No, no. Right, I mean, right. we, we pay more than... <laughs> They're like, know. what's wrong with Gary's No, no, care? no, no. It wasn't that. If it wasn't for the way they were doing it, they would have made less, All right? All of a sudden, Gary is Mexico. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest of the world is America. No, it's because the unemployment benefits were outrageously huge, right? So we ended up then taking money... Which we were, I mean, it was tight. I mean, it was like scary, but gave our the ones that we kept on a bonus to try to. It wasn't, it didn't make up for it, but like, why would you go back to work? Now, our people came back, our people came back, but a lot of Taco Bell and Wands were to shut down right now because they can't get people to work, and 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 it's like, do you blame the player staying home, or do you blame the game? Right. I blame the game. Like, why would you, if you're going to pay me more to stay home, I'm only going to work to make money. If my my point in this is to make money, well, I'm going to go where the money's at. I don't blame them. But you've got that going on, and now you're going to bring in all these people in the midst of the worst pandemic uh, of all time. Uh, who knows what they're carrying with them? You're just going to bring them on in here, stuff them in cages, 
By the way, that's not a problem anymore, apparently. You know, these kids being in cages. That was only a problem when Trump was a the president. They're, they got more kids in cages now than ever. There, there are hundreds of different problems that stem from this one problem. Because then you get into the trafficking aspect of it. You get, like, what happens to have these kids that are separated from their families? You know, what, what happens? There's a whole lot to it. There's a whole yes. lot to it. It's not just one thing. It's, it's, it's a conglomerate of issues. That it's, it's a stinking just, mess. Yeah. It's horrible. It's bad news, but that's the... No, and those are great points even for for me to understand. So when you hear, not all people, I think, would have this mindset. Some people are, some are racist and just want to keep people out. Yeah, this isn't about Mexican people. But when we're talking about a biblical perspective, I think that's a solid, solid view. And I think welfare here is unbelievably um, corrupt um, in the sense that there's no real rhyme or reason or direction for it. And it's taken off the responsibility, um, the God-given responsibility that men are to get up and work the yeah. land and provide for their family. And we've just completely taken that away. You replace that with government now it has to be the daddy. And that even goes to the white man. Like, I mean, we just sit around just... Oh, yeah. No, no. This but, is but, but then when you talk about bringing more people in, it's like, man, we've got a big enough problem here. Like, this is going to become the, the point where if we continue down this path, I mean, there's going to be no one to, to work. No one's going to work. That's, gonna get and it makes up. you wonder if that's not the whole goal. And then, and then you're going to bring in all these immigrants who are uneducated and um, yeah, put them on welfare, too. Like, it's just, don't, whatever. That's another topic for another day as far as, like, why. It's either stupidity, I'm sorry, or it's just pure wickedness. Yep. I mean, because there's, it's, un, I mean, it's just, it's, what person would run a business like that? Nobody. Like, you can't, I mean, money doesn't grow on trees, like I said. So, at some point, at some point, folks, you're all going to find out what Pastor Gary preps. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about the UFO sightings? Uh, well, in general, I think it's probably military activity. I would hope U- U.S. military activity. I mean, my God, if that was Chinese ships, or like, you know, flying around our bases... Um, we were just talking about that. I mean, I guess, I, you know, I don't, I don't believe there's. Uh, obviously, if there's, if there's some kind of alien intelligent life out there, God created them. It doesn't change any of my beliefs, but I, I wouldn't jump to that. I would say there's more uh, realistic. I like that you said that though. That's what I've always said. Is all right. Maybe, maybe there is, um, but it doesn't take away from what's been written. We obviously didn't need to know about it. Like, you know, recently they're, they're not made stuff. in his image. They're not, you know. No, no, they're lesser than us. I mean, that's whatever, but. Th- How dare you? Right? No, no, they're, they're not. <laughs> There's something politically incorrect about that. I just don't know what. That's fine. <laughs> they're not made in God's image. But we were talking about this recent batch, and the government's actually confirmed some of this stuff that un- literally unidentified flying objects, whether that's Martians or whatever, it's unidentified, has been caught. Like, we've got footage of it flying over our base some of our military bases and the government uh saying they don't know what it is let me assure you they know they know what that is they don't want to tell you what it is for whatever reason but if they didn't know what that was okay you would see a radical response that would blow your mind uh we would be defcon 5 right now if there was actual Aircraft flying over our bases and on our soil, and they're like, "What is that?" No, they know. 
Final final thing. Are you a football fan? Yeah. You guys ready for the Brown season? Yeah, dude. I, I think uh, I think the Browns are the I think they're the best team in the NFL on paper. On paper. <laughs> on paper. <laughs> on paper. But man, yeah. I watch out. I mean, injuries happen, things like that. But man, they ought. There's no oh, I'm reason. Psyched. I'm so pumped. Not to deviate too far from that, but like, have you seen all this? How Aaron Rodgers does not want to go back to the Packers. Yeah, he wants to get traded. Like, curious to see what happens there. Yeah, he'll be gone. I, Bill Belichick's like, what? What? You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I don't know. We'll see. All right. Well, we hope that this podcast helped you to put Jesus into perspective. If you have questions about this episode, about a previous episode, or about a relationship with Jesus, please email us at engage at newhilloh.com, and we'll reach out to you in whatever fashion or manner it takes. All right, church, go honor God in all that you do. Observe the things he's commanded. Provide to the needs of others and extend the offer that's been extended to you. Peace. Boom.